you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. The true worshipper. John chapter 4, verse 21. Jesus answered her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. That's a very strong statement. Said you worship what you do not know. Cognition. That ha- that means that worship is not so much just feelings. How you feel. But worship has a lot to do with what you know. <laughs> the quality of your worship has everything to know, everything to do with not only how you feel about God, but the God you know. The God you know. So, what I'm trying to say is that your theology will determine the quality of your worship. Let's put it this way. In a corporate worship of a church, the worship leader is not the song, the one leading the song. He's not the singer or the musician. The singer or the musician is not the worship leader of any church. The worship leader of every church is the pastor, the one who has been doing the teaching. The one who does the teachings is the one who sets the space, sets the tone of worship, sets the atmosphere of worship in every congregation. Hallelujah. He said, verse 22 of John chapter 4, he says that ye, you worship, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvations of the Jew, verse 23. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. There's no way you can worship God. True worship can be outside of the spirit or outside of truth. It didn't mention mindlessness or just pure feelings here. He mentioned understanding and spirituality. Right? So, he said the time is coming when the true worship shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For, watch this, this is a very strong statement. For, for for the father seeks, the father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You can't worship him without doing it in spirit and in truth. And so, true worshipers, this is time to be able to distinguish true worshippers from shallow worshippers. Now, in um, it's it's very important to understand that worship is first and foremost. We are not just believers in Jesus Christ. Yes, we are. We are not just Christians. Yes, we are. We are Christians, but not just Christians. 
We are believers, but not just believers in Jesus. We also are worshippers, worshippers of the Father. We were, we are worshippers of the, not just the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, but we are worshippers of the God and Father of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is very important. So we are not just the God, worshippers of God the Father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but worshippers of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be God and blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And so we worship. What I'm trying to say is uh, worship is foremost. Worship is paramount. When Satan appeared to Jesus or when he came to tempt Jesus, one of the key points of temptation in Luke chapter 4, verse 7, he says that if you can worship me, all this I'll give to you, if you can, on condition that you worship me. He wanted worship, and Jesus said that, no, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God alone. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 9, the same thing, Satan said, worship me, and I'll give you this. Jesus said, verse 10, he says that, get deep behind me, Satan, and said, for uh, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord your God Alone, him alone shall thou worship. So we are called to worship the Lord our God alone. I want to read a Matthew account, Matthew four ten. It says that then Jesus answered, "Away with you, Satan! For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone you shall serve." So worship is so paramount. Worship is so necessary. For the Christian, we are not just called to to um, enjoy the goodness of God. We are not just called to uh, preach and evangelize, as it were. We are not just called to believe in Jesus Christ, but we are calling makes us worshippers. We are called into worship because watch this: the Bible, Jesus said, "The time is coming." And now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such seeks the Father to worship him. So the Father is on an active pursuit of people who is redeeming to worship. So we have been redeemed as worshippers. We have our redemption gives us a call to worship. Our redemption makes us true worshippers, makes us worshippers. So we are redeemed for worship. We are called to worship. We are called to worship. Not only to believe, not only to be Christians, but worship is central. Now, I want to talk about the centrality of worship so long as God and the, the dealings between God and his people have always been concerned. When you read the scriptures in Psalm 95. In Psalm 95, oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. In Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7, easier to remember, isn't it? Yeah, some scriptures can be kind of, yeah, yeah, kind of easy to remember. Psalm 95. Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the God, uh, the Lord our Maker. For He is our God 
and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the day of Proverbs, verse 8, provocation. So, we, he said, oh, come let us bow down and worship. Worship has been a very central part of God's people's worship. Now, in the Old Testament and in the, um, when God brought, formed his people, he brought them out of Egypt. Worship was so important. Exodus chapter 20 verse 20, uh, verse, verse 1 and verse 2 says, And the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the, I'm reading from King James, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other, see the first thing he said, thou shalt have no other God before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities, the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Did you see that? How serious God takes worship. He said, I will not take, I will not take it for you to give worship to somebody else or something else. That is how serious it is when Satan came and told Jesus, worship me. God said, no. Your worship is not supposed to go to anything. So if you are a Christian, if you are born again, you are, it's a, being a Christian is a call to worship. Now we have the, the personal worship which is based on your personal heart and relationship with God. And we have the corporate worship, which is the highlight of our uh, our times, the highlight of our day, the highlight of our week, if you're a genuine Christian. Anyone who says that, or oh, as for me, uh, what they call it, privatization of spirituality. So people who embark on, on privatization of spirituality, my spiritual life is just private. I, I don't get involved. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not, it's, it's just me and you don't need to know how spiritual. Uh, listen, privatized Christianity is not leading you anywhere. Um, um, personal spirituality or private faith or, you know, people's faith is private to them. People's spirituality is personal. No, 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 no. It's the, the when you are a Christian, there's nothing like a private faith. It's not your like private faith. Even though it starts between you and God, it's a, it's a personal intimacy, personal relationship between you and God. It does not end there. And so at the highlight of our work with God usually is when we all come together as the people of God and we join our faith and our, our worship or we join our hands and faith in worship to God. However, Worship is not only when we come together. And this time I'm talking about true worshippers. So a true worshipper is the one whose worship life is not based on the corporate gathering. Because for your information, some people can't even enjoy or can't flow in a corporate gathering when there's no music. Any worship that needs music to boost it is not genuine worship. Every worship is the genuineness of worship has a lot and everything not to do with your feeling, but your understanding. They that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Because the time is coming. He said, you worship what you know not. So worship is priority. God told his people to um, not to worship. And look at Exodus chapter 34 verse 14 says that thou shall 
worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. That shall worship no other. So worship is so important. It's a priority. It should be your focus. Your worshiping God, your worship of God should be your focus. So I'm giving you some few points. Number, so number one, worship should be a priority so long as the people of God is concerned. I think I would like to read the Deuteronomy one, um, Deuteronomy chapter five, verse six. He said, I'm the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Thou shalt not make Make thee on make thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heavens or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters under the earth. Verse nine: Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fa- the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto them, uh, uh, mercy. Mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my my commandment. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. Hear, O Israel. I love this. I love this. It's called the Shema. The Shema. Hear, O Israel. The Lord, the Lord our God is one Lord. Verse five. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt, watch this, watch this, thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and thou shalt talk of them when you sit in thine house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. He said, it should be the topic of conversation. It should be the focus of family life. I'm talking about worship. When we talk about worship, I'm not talking about playing of music or uh, 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 posture. I'm talking about an understanding about God. A focus on God. Focus on God. God becoming central in everything we do. He said, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hands, and thou shalt, uh, sorry, and they shall be as frontlets, be- um, as frontlets between thine eyes. Here, he says, put the word there, God. You should everywhere around you. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and upon thy gates. Some, some of us must have it somewhere on your mirror, on your fridge. Different scriptures. Different scriptures on your mirror, on your fridge, on your computer, um, and places where you can put them. Near your bed, on your door. Some scripture, scriptures, scriptures, scriptures. He said, so it helps you focus on God. Saturate yourself with God's word. Saturate yourself with God's word. In in Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, he said, let the word of God dwell in you richly, richly. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. He says that at verse 9, thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gate, and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swore unto the fathers, uh, thy fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou uh, uh, fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vine, vineyards and olive trees which thou planted not. When thou shalt have eaten and before then beware lest thou beware lest thou forget the lord which brought thee forth out so he said 
It's easy to forget God. That's what he's trying. It's easy to forget God in good times. It's easy to forget God when all things are okay. It's easy to forget God when you are full, when you have got some nice movies you are watching. What I'm saying is that such things cannot be the overriding passion of your life. The word of God. He said, bind them around you so that you don't end up forgetting God. You don't, you intend to forget God, but the system you are operating your life on can make you forget God easily. So, it's so important to understand that um, the the worship is paramount for the people of God. Worship is essential. So worship should be our focus. And then, as I read, when God gave them the law, watch this. This is just to show you how central God takes worship. When he, first of all, when he called them, he told them that uh, I don't worship any other thing apart from me. When he gave them the law in Exodus chapter 20, he told them, first thing he says, thou shalt not worship any other thing before me, any other God before me. And then even when they, when they got to Canaan land and they were settling down in the land, the tabernacle was in the middle, the Levites were dotted around and all the other tribes, four, 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 four. God spread them in such a way that the tabernacle will be the center of everything they are doing. Their lifestyles, they are going out, they are coming in. The worship of God was so central. Worship as a Christian, worship should be central. Your relationship with God, I'm not talking about feelings and kneeling down and get postures and stuff like that. I'm talking about your commitment and relationship with God is so central to your life, to every aspect of your life. Your worship is first. Your worship is first. I know you are a believer, but you are first, you are called to be a worshiper. Your worship is first. Now, look at this. So, they are even, so number one, God gave them worship as their priority. Number two, the law. It was in the law, the first in the law. Number three, their settlement. God was showing, even the way he made them settle, tells us that worship is paramount and worship is essential to God. Number, number, number five, that's, um, yeah, number four. When God was telling them, telling Moses to compose uh, as uh, the anointing oil, Exodus chapter 30, he told, he told Moses the way he should do the anointing oil, how he should compose things, or how he should, um, put the spices he should put together. And then verse 37 says that, and as for the perfume which thou shalt make, you shall not make to yourself according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. Whosoever shall make like unto that to smell thereof shall even be cut off. So if you try and copy it to wear it or put it on yourself, you shall be cut off from people. Because God wants what is exclusively for his worship to be unique and set apart from everything. What's the time for God? Make it quality. There must be time for God in your life. Your entire 24 hours, your entire seven days. This time is the time we have to now wake up to true worship. Wake up. Wake up. Many believers in our, in our time, their Christian work and their worship life is predicated on corporate worship. That's, that's it. 
corporate worship. But this is the time where you build your work with God, your worship in such a way that is so true and is so spiritual that it becomes the center of your life, the center of your decision, the governing, the governing, uh, systems of your entire, the entirety of your life. So, um, the anointing for the, for worship, God said, even do it unique because it's for worship. And then, Watch, I like this. The tabernacle. When they built the tabernacle, Exodus chapter 25. I love this one. I, you know, I love every scripture and I'll read it. Exodus chapter 25 verse 22 is such a beautiful text. 25 was telling them on how they should put the um, uh, tabernacle together, what they should do, what they should do. Verse 22. And there, said, build a tabernacle, and then build an altar, and said, and there I will meet with you, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which are upon um, the ark of the testimony. So he said, I will meet you there. So even when he gave instructions for tabernacle to be built, he asked that he instructed the tabernacle to be built. Why? So that he can meet them there. He can meet, he delivered them from Israel, uh, so sorry, from Egypt, so that he can meet them in worship. He wanted them to be his people. He wanted them to be his worshippers. He, he, he wanted to be their object of worship. God wants to be the main and the central focus of your life. Not your job. Not your marriage. Not your health. Not your finances. Not the way you feel or what people think about you. Not your image, but his image. He himself. He wants to be the center of your life. And he says that the time is coming and now is, Jesus said, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such sin, God is seeking. God is seeking. That's the reason why Jesus came all the way to die on the cross, to save us from our sins. Is not only to make us the children of God, but also to make us true worshippers. Hallelujah. And so, in the, the tabernacle, the tabernacle was a meeting place, the temple. Isaiah says that, I saw the Lord in the temple, and I said, woe is me, Isaiah chapter 6, from verse 1, woe is me, for I am undone. And he, he, the, one of the angels took, took the coal and touched my lips and sanctified me. Sanctification cost you something. It, that signifies how sanctification can be expensive and cost you something. Very interesting. And so the anointing, the ointment, the tabernacle, the temple, and then one of the things I, in my studies, I found out is the, the, the offices. Now, in Numbers chapter 1, verse 3, it talks about how anyone who will be a man who will go for war, to be a man of war, you must be at least 20 years. Numbers chapter 8 verse 24, it says that anyone who is going to be a Levite must be at least 25 years and above. So to be a man of war, 20 years and above. To be a Levite, 25 years and above. But Exodus chapter 4 verse 3, anyone who is going to be a priest to serve at the tabernacle must be at least 30 years and above. That tells you why Jesus Christ was 30 years when he started his ministry. 30 years and above. Did you see how the, the value God places on worship? When you are going for war, you can be 20. When you are a Levite, you can be 25 to be a Levite. But to be uh, a, a priest, you must be 30. You must be a bit more matured. 
God places more a certain level of maturity and importance on the priest who is going to be leading worship. So that tells you that, you see, when it comes to worship, worship is so fundamental and is so essential to the people of God. And in the New Testament life, the church life, worship is so important. In Acts, so in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the message of God, that you present your, now it's your entire bodies. In the New Testament, the church life, present your whole bodies. Say so present that you present your um, your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God, holy and reasonable, which is your holy and reasonable service. Amen. Which is your reasonable service. So present your whole bodies, not only your money, not only your mind, not only a part of you, not only said your whole bodies. So in the New Testament, we are called the call of worship is to present our whole bodies. In Acts in First Peter chapter two, verse five, it also speaks about how we are like living stones. First Peter chapter two, verse five. He also as living stones are being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. You see that. So we are not just called to be, uh, we are not only believers, but we are actually called to offer spiritual sacrifices. Said, for ye also as lively so are built it up into a spiritual house as a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. So we, in the New Testament life, in the church life, you are called to offer spiritual sacrifices in the name of Jesus Christ. And I like this text in Philippians. Philippians chapter 3 verse 3 is such a beautiful text. Philippians 3 3 says that, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And have no confidence in the flesh. We worship God in the spirit. We are the circumcision. We, our worship is in the spirit. In other words, we offer worship that is enhanced and aided by the Holy Spirit. Remember, they that worship God must worship it in spirit and in truth. You can't worship God without your spirit. That's why you can't be a true worshiper if you are not born again. Because until you are born again, your spirit is not regenerated. Bible says that the spirit uh, 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 um, Romans chapter 8 verse 16 uh, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit so the interaction happens with, within your spirit it's a grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 24 or 22 so it's, it's a spiritual thing in Romans chapter 1 verse 9 Paul says that I thank God who I serve with my spirit all right, I serve God of my fathers with my spirit. This worship thing, it must be in spirit. And so Philippians says that we are the circumcision who worship God. We are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So as believers, we worship God in the spirit and have no confidence in the flesh. Hallelujah. As I said earlier on, we are redeemed to worship. These are all important things that uh, it is so necessary for us to know. I would want to also emphasize the, the fact that worship is so central for the believer. In other words, your worship influences everything you do. Your worship should influence. True worship, it, to be a true worshiper, means that your worship will influence everything you do. You can 
unfortunately, some people are shallow worshippers. Or you see, shallow worship, wrong worship can affect a lot of things more than you can think about. So superficial worship, shallow worship, wrong worship. Do you know what it does? It robs God and denies God his rightful place in your life. When your worship is shallow, when your worship is superficial, when your worship is superficial, it robs God of his rightful place in your life. It is and then when your worship is shallow and your worship is wrong or superficial, what it does is it even limits your usefulness to God and it cheapens your Christian experience. So your Christian experience is watered down when your worship is shallow or when your worship is wrong. There can be wrong worship. You can be worshiping and worship wrongly, wrongfully. All right. So um, either shallow, superficial, wrong or superficial is just on the surface. Being superficial worshiper is like a hypocrite. It's like you are doing one thing, but your heart is not connected to it, and it will cost you a lot. So it will you will have a, a very cheap Christian experience when your worship is shallow. God will not be granted His rightful place in your life, and you you will not be useful in the hands of God the way you should because worship has not been centralized. Worship has not been prioritized. In your life now, worship. Watch this. Time and eternity are determined by the nature of your worship. The nature of your worship, the quality of your worship, the intensity of your worship, the purity of your worship will always determine what happens in time and eternity. That is how important and influential your worship is. And so, true worship is very influential. And I want to encourage somebody to determine that you are going to boost your worship and worship God in spirit and in truth. Not based on feelings, but based on the acceptable way, what God calls acceptable. This leads me to acceptable worship. So, what is acceptable worship to God? What is acceptable worship to God? Quickly, to know what is acceptable, it will be helpful to know what is not acceptable. What is not acceptable worship? Romans chapter 1 verse 21 downwards. I think that one I probably will go into that tomorrow. But Exodus chapter 20, what I read earlier, it said, that shall have no other God before me. And so what if your, your worship is not acceptable if you are worshiping false gods? In Romans chapter 1, it says that they worship the creature instead of uh, the creator. Sorry, the creature instead of the creator. Verse 25 and 26, therefore God gave them up. They were doing things, but God never gave them up. So they compromised on worship. They focused more on the creature. They focused more on human beings than God. Yeah. Nowadays in our times, one of the things that can kill true worship, dangerous to true worship, is man-centeredness. The focus on man and um, what some uh, some theologians will call um, pragmatism. Oh, because it, I went to do it, it worked. So it means it's okay. Once it works, it means it's okay. Is it biblical? Are you worshipping in truth? Alright, so um, it's very important to understand that we can worship false God and worshipping false God is not acceptable. Number two, worshipping, you can worship the true God in a wrong way. You are in a wrong form. In Exodus chapter 22, verse, sorry, 32, verse 8 and 9. Not long, not long after God had told them that shall not worship any other God before me. Verse 8. Exodus chapter 32, verse 8. And they have, they have turned aside quickly out of the way 
which I commanded them, they have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be the gods, O Israel, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Let me deal with them. They have, they said, they did a golden cup and said, this is the God that brought you out, the God that brought you out of Egypt. So, they know God brought them out of Egypt, but they were giving the credit to something else. They are worshipping a wrong, the true God in a wrong form. If you can, you can worship the true God in a wrong form. So somebody will say, oh, there's only one God who created everything, just like the Christian God, but we call him the... No, you are worshiping the true God in the wrong form, and it's not acceptable to God. Number three, the, the, the third unacceptable way to worship is worshiping the true God in a person, a personal style, personal styled way. As for me, well, that's what you say. This is how I do my... You don't matter. You don't matter when it comes to worship. It's what God, what scriptures have showed us. How God has showed us we should relate to him that matters. No single individual, not even a bishop, a pastor, a pope, an apostle matters. It is what the scriptures say that is final. So you don't matter. Anytime you worship, you attempt to worship the true God in your personal styled way, you have missed God. And it's easy to do that. And then the fourth one is you can worship the true God with the wrong motive or wrong heart or wrong attitude. Because he said in Malachi chapter 1, he said, you are, go- you are bringing me offering and you bring me the rubbish one and you keep the other one. Go and give it to the governor. What kind of worship is this? He said, can, 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 can you give me? Oh, and then he says that, you, can, can a man rob God? He said, but you have robbed me. He said, how do you say we have robbed you? In tithe and in offerings. Why would you do that? You claim to be worshipping me, but they are all shortcuts. There's so much fakery behind your worship. Your attitude towards God is bad. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. A son honored his father, and a servant his master. If I be a father, where is my honor? And... Where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Say the Lord God of hosts. Hey, say the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests, that despise my name. And ye, ye say, wherein have we despised your, your name? You offer polluted bread upon my altar. And ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? In, in that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? If you uh, offer it now unto thy governor, will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person? Say the Lord of hosts. And now I pray you, I, 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 I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto you. This has been by your means. Will he regard your persons? Says the Lord of hosts. And it goes on to the end. And then chapter 3, verse, verse 8. It says that, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you, you say, Wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and in offering. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even the whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm talking about worship right attitude the acceptable worship is the worship with the right attitude 
with the right attitude. Give to God what belongs to God. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Ananias said, the first judgment in the church was Ananias and Sapphira. They went and sold their land and they came and pretended as though they are giving all the, uh, the proceeds. But no one forced them. Peter said, when it was not sold, it was yours. And when you sold, the money was yours. You can choose what. Why do you come and pretend like you are giving everything to God? Meanwhile, you are lying. It's the attitude here we are talking about. Anyway, so he says that pure worship, pure worship, acceptable worship is with the right attitude. We have to re-examine all these things so that we can have a, a healthy attitude towards God. Sometimes when prayer is going on, you are somewhere. Sometimes when, when worship service is going on, you are roaming around. Nothing can be bothered. Your attitude towards God and it's, a, it's not acceptable to God. Now quickly, as I'll say, there are several ways to express acceptable worship to God. Quickly, several ways to express, express acceptable worship to God. Romans chapter 1, chapter 12, verse 1, it said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, um, present yourself as a living sacrifice unto God. Present your bodies as a, which is acceptable. You know, this is your acceptable service. True worship, it, it takes the center part of your life. Your, every other thing about your life evolves around your worship. Every other thing. Your marriage evolves around you. You can't be married, so it doesn't matter. That's my partner, so it doesn't matter. That's the one I want to be with. That's not, doesn't believe in what I'm worshiping. No, 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 no. You are, no. You are compromising on your worship. You are compromising on your worship. So, in Romans chapter 12, um, um, it said, present your bodies. In Romans chapter 14, verse 18, how you treat other believers is a reflection of your acceptable worship. The way you treat other Christians, other believers. You call yourself a Christian, I'm talking to you as a Christian. I'm talking to you as a Christian. If you are Christian, be mindful of the way you treat other Christians because it's an aspect of your quality worship, acceptable worship. In That's Romans chapter 4 verse 18. In Romans chapter 15 verse 16, even soul winning, spending time winning soul is, a, a, is an aspect of acceptable worship. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 10, being the light, being the light, shining the light, walking as the light is an aspect of your acceptable worship. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 11, Philippians chapter 4 verse 18, Philippians 1 11, Philippians 4 18, your, your Good works, your righteous results, your righteous works and fruits are an aspect, are a reflection of your acceptable worship. In First Timothy chapter two, verse three, praying and interceding for other people is an aspect of your acceptable worship. In First Timothy chapter five, verse four, expression of gratitude. Don't forget what people have done for you. Not forgetting what your mother, your father, your parents have done and invested in your life and you are paying them back in a certain form. Bible says that it's acceptable with God. It's an aspect of your acceptable worship. Hallelujah. I feel like preaching. In First Peter chapter 2 verse 20, when you suffer for righteousness, it's also an aspect, an expression of an acceptable worship to God. In Hebrews chapter 13, let me read that one. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse, verse, whoo, hallelujah, verse 15. By him, by him, therefore, let us offer sacrifices of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to him, his name. But to do good 
and to communicate forget not for which such sacrifices God is well pleased do good in this time of um, crisis look out for somebody's well-being it is nice you know that this particular person even when things were okay they didn't have money to eat why don't you get their account details find a way of sending them some if you don't have to meet them wire some money to them Find a way of sending somebody a message that I'm thinking about you. Find a way of relating to that. He said, communicate, do good to others. It's a form of an acceptable worship. It's, it's acceptable with God. It's, it's, it's a, acceptable with God. I, I would like to read it again, brother. Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus. He said, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. With such sacrifices. So it means that you are going out of your comfort zone to reach out to somebody. To reach out to some. With such sacrifices, God is it's well pleased. Let's love one another. Let's do good. Let's look out for how to be a blessing and to help somebody. Look out. Look out for how to be a blessing and to help somebody. This is all aspects of acceptable worship. So there are different ways to express acceptable worship. Not only when we come together and we lift our hands. That is the highlight of our week, of our day. That is the best bit because you can't separate yourself. But in the absence of that, now, as a true worshiper, as a true worshiper, John chapter 4 verse 23 The time is coming And now is when the true worshippers Shall worship the father in spirit and in truth For such seeketh the father To worship him Such seeketh the father God is looking for worshippers God is redeeming us to be worshippers Not only believers, not only Christians But worshippers That every aspect of your life Is governed by the centrality Of your worship of God Your work life there's, if you're a true worshiper, it's not every work you can do. If you're a true worshiper, it's not every, every place you can go. If you're a true worshiper, it's not everything you can watch. If you're a true worshiper, it's not everything you can support. If you're a true worshiper, there are a lot of things you can do. Why? Because you're a true worshiper. Your true, your worship life governs your life and influences time and eternity. May God strengthen us to be true worshipers. I want to encourage you. Once you have started the Holy Spirit. Philippians 3, 3 says that we worship the Father in the Spirit. It takes the Holy Spirit to be a true worshiper. It is not natural to be a true worshiper. It takes the Holy Spirit through the Scriptures. When the more you know the Scriptures, the more you read the Scriptures, the more you feed on the Scriptures, the more you can be a true worshiper. Paul said in Acts chapter 17, verse 23, when I was passing, I saw an altar with an inscription to the unknown God. And he said, to him whom you worship without knowing, him declare I to you. So you see, you can worship what you don't even know. Worship unknowingly. You are trying to worship a God you don't know. That's not true worship. That's not true worship. You have to know the God, the God we serve. Not based on your personal opinions and ideas, but biblical insights. Biblical insights. I want to encourage you. Yes, God called us. Our Christian life is a call to worship. Our Christian life, our redemption makes us worshippers. And worship is central. God has always requested and demanded and encouraged that his worshipping, worshipping him becomes central in the lives of his people. 
We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at caris.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.